0: Today's reading is from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken the Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her.
1: So shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for Mary. We thank you for those first uh, disciples, for those first people who met Jesus after his resurrection. We thank you for what we can learn from them, for those who encountered him. And we pray that through them we may too encounter you afresh. In your name, Amen. Mary has been there all the way through. When the disciples couldn't see it through at the cross, she was there. When they took Jesus' body down from the cross, she was there. When Joseph of Arimathea buried Jesus in his own newly cut tomb, she was there. And now, now that the Sabbath is over, early on the Sunday morning, she is there again. We're told in the other Gospels that she doesn't go there alone, that she goes with other women, with Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others. A group of women. Women who have travelled with Jesus, who had supported Jesus financially throughout his mission. Women who had loved him and who have been loved by him. Women who, like Mary, Owe him so much. Mary Magdalene, out of whom, Luke tells us, Jesus cast seven demons. The one who has been forgiven much, loves much. And now they go go to anoint him with the spices and perfumes for burial which they have lovingly prepared. The last thing they can do for their Lord, for their teacher, their rabbi. But the stone has been removed, the tomb has been desecrated, the body has gone. John, the consummate storyteller, concentrates our attention on Mary. Mary who discovers this, Mary who runs to tell the disciples of this horror. Mary who watches as Peter and John for themselves that what she has said is true and Mary who then can't bear to leave the last known resting place of her Lord and who after Peter and John have gone stays as she did the cross stays and cries stays and mourns stays and weeps Mary, who, as she weeps, finally looks into the tomb. According to John, she hasn't done this yet. Up until now, she has just seen the stone has been displaced, the place has been desecrated, and in horror, she has run for the men. But now, she stoops and she looks in. And there, there she encounters two angels at the foot and the head of where Jesus lay. Not desecration, but glory. Woman, why are you weeping? That must have seemed like a pretty crass question to Mary. Was it totally obvious? They've taken away my Lord and I've no idea where they've put him. The one I love is gone. His body's been stolen. I don't know what they've done with it. Mary clearly had no idea who she was talking to. She couldn't process what she was seeing. The theme which continues when she then turns and encounters the risen Jesus but doesn't realise who it is she's speaking to and speaks to him as if he's the gardener. So if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go and get him. I just want the body back. I just want his body back so I can anoint him, so I can clean him, so I can do what is necessary. I don't care about anything else. And it's hard for us to imagine how on earth she could have made that mistake now, isn't it? We know the end of the story. We've heard it again and again. We've heard it read just now when we know that it is Jesus standing there, the risen Lord. The body hasn't been stolen. Jesus is risen. He's alive. But Mary, Mary has just seen Jesus die an excruciating death. Her last memory of him was of him hanging naked Pinned to a cross, racked with pain, covered with blood, and having breathed the last rattling breaths of a man who has suffocated on a cross in unbearable heat. You don't survive crucifixion. She had no doubt that Jesus was dead. She had seen him die. She had seen him taken down a limp body. This could not be Jesus. That is Mary's reality. The man she's looking at couldn't be him. What is before her is so far, far from what could be for Mary. Plus, she is deeply distressed. Deeply, deeply distressed. She has been weeping for three days. She is in deep grief. And when you are that distressed, it is hard to see clearly. As anyone here who has been deeply, deeply distressed would know, or has walked with anyone in that sort of grief, would know. But note, note with me how Jesus approaches her, what this encounter looks like. I love this. This is one of my favourite encounters in scripture. First there are the angels to get her attention. And then he gently Gently asks her a leading question. Woman, this is a gentle question, a gentle introduction. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? It's not that he doesn't know the answer. Of course, he knows the answer to these questions. It's just that he wants Mary to turn to him. To respond, to begin to look to him through her tears and through her grief. And when he has got her attention, even though she still hasn't recognised him, even though she is still deeply lost in her grief, only then, only then does he say her name. And that is all he says. Mary. Mary, so gentle, so careful, so totally comprehending, so much is encapsulated in that one word, isn't it? How often she must have heard him say it. Presumably first when he cast out those seven demons from her. Mary. He doesn't push her or scold her for not getting it, for not recognising him. He doesn't hurry her through. He is gentle and at the right time he speaks her name. We so often think that God is a bully, hassling us, hurrying us, But that's not what we see here, is it? We see a Lord who takes his time, who allows Mary time, and who takes her on a journey, a gentle journey, which leads to the speaking of her name. One word which contains so much intimate knowledge and love and reveals so much of what is going on, so much of himself and so much of her and as he says says her name, she recognises him. Rabboni, teacher, I know you, I get it. Suddenly it all drops away, all the grief and the loss and the fear. It's all gone in the realisation that this is him, that this really is him. That he is alive, she knows him as he knows her. Names are powerful things, powerful things which God values. Isaiah 49 says, God has written our names on the palm of his hand. They are a sign of His intimate knowledge of us and His love for us. Which is why? On the first thing God Jesus does is so Mary's name and Mary gets it she responds to the Lord she has followed and the Lord she has not deserted the Lord whose dead cold body she has come to anoint and which now living and warm she wants to take hold of and not let go of ever but she can't don't hold on to me I have not yet returned to my father. I can't stay here. You can't hold me. I can't stay no matter how much you may want me to after the trauma of the last week. But, says Jesus to Mary, your calling is greater and more significant one. It's not to hold on to me. It's something much bigger than that. It's one which will change the world. Mary, the first witness of the resurrection, in a world where the witness of women was of no value whatsoever, where a woman could not stand witness in a court of law, Mary is chosen by God as the first witness, the first person to meet the risen Christ. And more than that, Jesus now commissions her, Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Do you know this is quite a commission. It is the same commission that Jesus later gives to the disciples as he gives the apostolic mission. Go and tell. And here it is given by the risen Christ to a woman First, in a world where women weren't allowed to do that, where women weren't allowed to be witnesses to Mary Magdalene, a woman out of whom seven demons were cast. How remarkable is that? Within the context of the first century, it was totally and utterly countercultural. Here is Jesus saying to a woman that she is to be his witness, that his message relies on her. The message of his resurrection relies totally and utterly on her. He is commissioning her as an apostle. I'm totally convinced that she was meant to be the first apostle, the one to replace Judas. Don't hold on to me, says Jesus. Go out and share me. That is Jesus' message to Mary. And Mary, bless her, for a wonderful, excited, obedient woman did just that. John tells us that she went to the disciples. I'm guessing that she hurtled away to the disciples. that She couldn't stop herself from running, gathering up her skirt and running with the news. I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. He's alive. What better news is there? What better way to say it? What more exciting news to share than that Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. And that changes everything. It turns the world on its head. And it turned the world on its head, didn't it? It changes everything for the world. It changes everything for those caught in sin and death. It changes everything for the barriers between God and us. It changes everything between the, for the barriers between people. It changes everything for the barriers between men and women. And today, God, Jesus, meets us as he met Mary. He meets us wherever we are. Gently, not pushing, but taking us slowly. Saying our name, as he did to Mary. Telling us of his love for us. Asking that we don't hold on to him. But, like Mary, to be his witnesses, wherever he has called us. And asking that we, like Mary... Go and tell. If you pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the faithfulness of Mary. Thank you that she was faithful and faithful and faithful. And we thank you for the courage that she had. And her willingness to obey. Lord, we pray that we too will discover your love for us, that we will be faithful, that we'll be courageous, and that we too will go and share this amazing news, that you are alive and that that changes everything. For your name's sake. Amen.